that was perfect. Ed Sheeran and Andrea Bocelli. It was recorded in Bocelli's own house. But perfect probably describes the experience that Justine Costigan had. As travel writers, we often get to visit exotic locations to experience the destination, but we rarely get to stay long enough to really soak up the local culture or the language. Travel editor and writer Justine Costigan, having just finished a large book editing job, decided to take time off to immerse herself in Italian culture by taking language lessons at a school at Multipucciano, a beautiful Renaissance town set high on a hill overlooking the Tuscan landscape. To take the experience one step further, she opted for a homestay and the generous cooking of a nonna who spoke no English. Justine also studied in Naples for something completely different. For Justine, this was one of life's great experiences, as she explains to Graham Kemlo. Well, I have Justine Costigan on the line. Costigan's a name very familiar to me. I worked with Justine's uncle, Peter, who was the Melbourne Herald chief political correspondent in Canberra uh, for a period, and we overlapped up there. He's a great bloke. Prior to that, of course, he was probably the senior reporter for the Herald reporting out of Washington. So uh, welcome, Peter's niece. Welcome, Justine. (laughs) The late Peter, I should say. I'm sorry we lost Peter. He was Lord Mayor of Melbourne, for those who may not remember. Uh, But unfortunately, we lost Peter. He was a great bloke, I must say. So, Justine, you've inherited the the family skills in journalism, I see. You've you've had lots of beautiful gigs. But you've done something a bit interesting. Uh, I noticed from a social media post the other day that you've sort of opted out, well, not entirely, but mid-career, you've decided to go off and learn Italian. So tell us about that. That just seems like something. Are you going to write in Italian or was this conversational Italian? Well, it's conversational Italian, but I would like to be able to. I guess my goal is I'd like to be able to speak Italian almost as well as I can speak English. But unfortunately, that's a project that will take a lifetime to achieve. For the moment, I'm happy if I can just have a conversation with someone. Right. And you don't sort of go to Vic Market and practice there, do you? I don't, actually. And it's just because I feel like a bit of an idiot when I do that. (laughs) But also, a lot of Italians in Melbourne um, speak dialects. And they then, if they want to speak to me, have to revert to standard Italian. So it becomes a bit of a, a difficult interaction. However, if I want to order a coffee in Ligon Street, it's no problem to you know ask for a, a cappuccino or a cafe in Italian. And yeah. They're very responsive to that. But to be honest, it's, it's not much of a conversation. No. So you decided that rather than just um, like most travel riders, we fly in somewhere. We're like FIFOs. We fly in, we fly out. We really don't get to get embedded in a situation to absorb the culture perhaps as well as we ought to because we're really on a pretty tight schedule most of the time but so you decided to take a month or more away and do this I think that's the that's the way to do it by the sound of things. Oh absolutely and I I totally agree with you I mean it's very exciting when you are sent on an assignment as a travel writer but you really don't get the time to totally absorb the culture and because I've done so much of that kind of travel I wanted not only to be somewhere wonderful but to really sort of sit still, get to know it, and get to know it not just as someone passing through but someone who is really going to be there for a little while. And, of course, at the same time, I thought that studying a language, Italian, which is my favourite language, would be a great way to do it. 
sure. You told me you studied it in university, but you've been a, you've been out of uni a while now. We won't say how long, but, but you sort of <laughs> felt like you'd lost the plot a bit. Yeah, look, I studied languages at university, so I know what the process is with learning a language. And you get to a point where you're almost fluent, but you really need that immersive experience to solidify your skills. So I've got skills in German, and I spend a lot of time in German-speaking countries. And even though I rarely get the opportunity to speak German, I know that I will never lose that language because I got it to a point where it's embedded in my brain. Um, With Italian, I never felt that I got that far. I was almost there, but didn't manage to spend that extended time in Italy. So after university, I tried to keep it up. Every now and then I do lessons. I joined classes for a little while. And of course, I went to Italy lots of times, but only for a very, you know, a week here or there. And I really felt that I was losing my Italian. And because I love the language so much, and I love the culture, and I love the country, it just seemed like a great way to have an extended break away from work. Mm. You know, they they wrote about the tyranny of distance. I think it affects us down here. We are not multilingual in most instances here in Australia. We we live in our own little bubble. Whereas if you go to Europe, I think anyone who's in France probably speaks a bit of Spanish and maybe a smidgen of the Portuguese. I'm sure around the Balkans, they're all speaking their own version of someone else's language. Uh, We just don't get the opportunity here, do we? A bit of Kiwi, maybe. (laughs) Bit of fish and chops. Well, I do actually think that a lot of people have exposure to another language in Australia because we are a country of migrants. But in terms of day-to-day experience of hearing people speak, if you're living in a kind of bubble where there isn't, you know, a huge multicultural community or the people who have come from somewhere else have really mastered English well, you're right, you're not going to get that opportunity that you do in Europe. In fact, speaking other languages in Europe is an absolute necessity for work and for just being able to live your life. Mm. Tell me, though, um, so you went to to Italy. Do you you join a university over there or are there language schools? What's the process if someone wants to do this? Well, there are, there are lots of ways of doing it. Um, there are language schools associated with universities, but there are also language schools all over Italy. I just started doing research and it was half of it was like, where would I like to be? And what is a school that seems to have a really good reputation? So I went to two schools in Italy. The first one was in uh, Montepulciano in Tuscany. And this is a school called Il Sasso. And it's it's right at the top of Montepulciano, which if you're familiar with it, it's a classic Tuscan hill town. So you have to walk an enormous length sort of round winding cobbled streets to get to the top of this, the, uh, the town. And that's where the school is. And it has the most extraordinary views over the valley. Um, wow. It was also the school where Amanda Vanstone, um, our former ambassador to Italy, went before she took on that role so that she could master Italian as well, which okay. I didn't know in advance. But when I went into the school, there was a, a notice board there and there was a huge picture of her. So That's a good way to do it, I guess. So two weeks in Tuscany, well, that'd be good anyway, but you're obviously just getting uh, well and truly imbued with the local culture there. Oh, yes. And it was, you know... After a couple of days, it's such a small town, the the local baristas know who you are, suddenly you're saying buongiorno to everybody, and of course, 
the great thing about going to a school, even if you're on your own, is you suddenly have this group of like-minded travellers. Right. So I was in a class with people with similar sort of language skills to me and pretty soon, you know, we were a group of friends and um, some people were travelling alone, some were with their partners, but we would have coffees together, sometimes meet up for dinner and also the school organised lots of excursions. So we did hikes to other Tuscan hill towns. We had aperitivo a couple of nights a week. There were cooking classes, etc. So, Wow, fantastic. Um, there were lots of opportunities to socialise and, of course, everything was done in Italian, even if you weren't very good. It's really one of the great things about joining a language school is that you have an immediate group of like-minded people that you can get to know. And, of course, they come from all over the world, so it's quite a fascinating exercise. When I was there, I went to visit a beautiful organic farm. There were lots and lots of things that you could do if you wanted more company or just to explore a little bit further afield. So I would really recommend the experience if you're a solo traveller because mm. – you really have a choice about how sociable you want to be. But if you do want to meet other people, there's you know a whole group of people there ready and waiting. And does the arrangement you make with the language school, does that include accommodation or do they just sort of tell you to look locally or what do you do there? Well, they can help you with accommodation. They've got a long, particularly this school has a long list of, of possible um, accommodation places, which range from, you know, absolutely luxurious agri to Rusmo just outside of um, the school to self-catering apartments. I actually chose to stay in a homestay for um, my two weeks in Tuscany, which again was such an incredible experience to mm. live in an Italian home and to be fed by an Italian nonna was probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a recipe to put on weight, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. But it was definitely a highlight of the experience. Mm. And she didn't speak English at all, so it really forced me to really stretch my language skills so that we could communicate with each Fantastic. other. Now, you had a couple of weeks in, in the Tuscan region. Then where did you go? You went to another school. Yes, so I decided to split up my studies and having been in this absolutely idyllic country town in the middle of Tuscany, I decided to go to one of the most chaotic, exciting cities in Italy. I headed down south to Naples to study in a really tiny private school there, right in the heart of the old town. Oh, wow. That, that must, must have been quite a difference in the, the experience. Oh, it was <laughs> complete opposite. But still, you know, the one thing that was the same about it was it was still a great opportunity to use my language skills. And, I mean, the southern approach is a little bit different to the sort of central Italian, northern Italian approach. Southerners are really big on using their hands. It's oh, not okay. just a cliche. So yeah. as well as getting language lessons in, you know, vocab and grammar, we also got lessons in how to use your hands and how to have a conversation in Italian without speaking. Which Seriously? Absolute, yes, absolutely fascinating. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Because actually, <laughs> when you think about it, even little kids are gesticulating wildly in, uh, in in parts of Italy when you, you know, you see them on YouTube or TikTok or whatever they're on. So they obviously, they do start them young. Oh, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I learned in Naples is that if you are not loudly interrupting someone, if you are not in enthusiastically engaging with the conversation, they think you're bored or not interested. So oh. what's typical here in Australia is to be quiet while someone's speaking and then say something. 
doesn't mean the same thing in in particularly in southern Italy. It means you really don't care. You're not that interested. Oh. You're a bit bored. You need to be jumping in, talking on top of people, gesticulating wildly. That's how people know you're engaged in the conversation. So very difficult to learn if that's not the way that you communicate normally. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's absolutely absolutely fascinating. What about the food down south? How how did you find that? A lot of pizza, was it? Uh, Actually, I don't think I ate a pizza the whole time I was there. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually a bit of a relief to come south because the food in the north is much, much heavier. Right. A lot of cheese, a lot of heavier pastas. And then Montepulciano is the home of the Vino Nobile, which is a beautiful but very rich red wine. So when I got to the south, it was grilled fish, very light tomato pastas, a much, much lighter, simpler, fresher cuisine, which personally is my favourite. So right. um, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more down there. I went crazy on the seafood. So, Justine, if people are interested to do this, what sort of costs could they expect to incur? The cost for the tuition, just about everywhere I researched, was pretty much the same. So for those four hours a day, five days a week, it's round about somewhere between 250 and 300 euros a week. Oh, that's which not is, bad. It's not bad at all. So on top of that, it's how much the total trip costs is really going to be up to you. I mean, do you want to start, stay in a gorgeous, luxurious hotel? Are you happy to be like a real student and be in a hostel? I mean, the, right. you can you can do either or. It's completely up to you. So absolutely sounds fantastic. And it's something, you know, I've, I've got a little bit of French, but I've, I fear opening my mouth too much in Paris because I know I'm going to get a burst of French back and I'll probably only pick up every 15th word. So, well, so thing, uh, you know. One thing I can recommend about Italy, and I think this is one of the reasons why I love Italian so much, is I have never come across a country where any attempt to speak the language is enthusiastically received. I don't think there's anywhere I went in Italy where the Italians didn't tell me how brilliant my Italian was. And, of course, it's not brilliant, but Mm. they're so happy to hear you speak and they're so forgiving of mistakes that you really are encouraged to speak as much as you possibly can. And I must say I've never felt that in France because I've got some high school French. Mm. I've never felt that in Northern Europe either. But in Italy, you know, any attempt to speak Italian is greeted with open arms, and that's just absolutely wonderful. Well, that is heartwarming to, <laughs> to hear. Anyway, no, that's great. Justine, uh, thank you so much for sharing the story with us. Now, if people want to read your story, where do they find that? Have you got it on a website somewhere? Well, actually, I don't at the moment, but it is available in this month's, which is July's issue of Mind Food magazine. And I also have another story coming up in Traveller in uh, The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, I'm not quite sure when that's going to be published, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Graham Kemlow there with Justine Costigan, and her story can be found in the July issue of Mind Food magazine. This is the Travel Writer Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.